Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will speak from the book of Genesis on holiness. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Good to be in the house of God this morning, isn't it? No better place to be. And we're looking forward, especially this morning, to learning about God. Father, we come to you this morning and we're a we're a, a very needy group, Lord. We need you, Lord, to teach us about yourself. We need to see the Lord Jesus Christ in the scriptures this morning, Lord. And we need you to help us to become more like him, our God, our Savior, in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. All right, now, I'm going to read here in Genesis 1, and I want you to, I'm going to read the whole chapter this morning, and I want you to think Um, about the uh, recurring patterns that you see in this chapter. I want you to look at it as an overview, as a whole thing. I want you to look at the the sections. I want you to be thinking about the sections that we're going to be reading as well. Okay, verses, uh, here we go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form, or it could be order, without order, or some other meaning could also mean without value. And void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day, or day one. And God said, let there be a firmament, or an expanse, in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. It was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Another section now. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas, or oceans, lakes, ponds, rivers, streams. And God saw that it was good. Next section. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the fruit tree and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. Next section. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons or holidays or festivals. A uh, little pause here. Five biblical holidays, three where all the males were to appear before God in Jerusalem. He made the lights and keeps going. Okay, and for year, days and years, and let them be for lights, verse 15, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. Next section. And God made two great light. No, this is not a next section. This is a further explanation. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, and God sent them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the night light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. 
Now, next section. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the living, moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament. And God created great whales and every living thing that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Next section. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that moveth or that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Next section. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Further explanation. And God blessed man, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree, in the which is the fruit of the tree-yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. All right, now, we come to this passage, we we come, let's do a little review here. We come to the book of Genesis with this burning desire inside of us. This book has many, many things, the Bible has many, many things to teach us. Genesis has many, many things to teach us, but we have one thing that we want to learn about, especially above everything else. We have one singular interest when we come to Genesis, and that's one word. What would that word be? God. We want to know everything we can know about God. We want to milk this passage for every bit of information that we can find out about God. And that's going to be our goal. Because why? Because God is so important to us, as as Paul said in Acts 17. In God, we live, we move, we have our being. You know, like the hymn says, Jesus is all the world to me, my joy my life, my life, my joy, my all, everything. It's vitally important that we, that we learn about God. And so because we are his children, we don't want to just to learn about him so we can understand because we want to be like him. We want to copy him. Turn, if you would, to Leviticus chapter 11, where this is especially emphasized in this book of Leviticus. So I want to just park a little bit here in Leviticus, in Leviticus um, we're going to start Leviticus eleven forty four. Notice what he says. For I am the Lord, your God. You shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy. Why? For I am holy. You shall be holy. Why? For I am holy. Neither shall you defy yourselves with any manner of creeping things. Now look over in, in the same chapter, verse 45. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy. Why? For I am holy. 
You'll be holy because I'm holy. Look over a couple chapters later, Leviticus 19.2. Speak, he says, unto all the congregation of the children of Israel and say unto them, ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Look at the chapter 20, verse 7. Sanctify, therefore, sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God. Look over in that same chapter 20, verse 26, again. And ye shall be holy unto me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have severed you from other people that you should be mine. See this continual repetition that happens here throughout. We, we, we need to be like God. We need to be holy because God is holy. You feel that way? That, that we live in a very unholy environment. We live in an environment that wants to defile us, that wants to make us unholy. And, it's, and it comes in by stealth into our homes through what? Media. The television, the media. Very important to set a guard when it comes to the, comes to the media. I have a sign. My, mine's out of metal. And I'm going to pass it. You take one of these and pass it along. And this is what I, little sign I put on my television set under each one. Just a reminder for you. Be holy, for I am holy. Put it on your computer if that's also an issue. That's what God says. You see, this book is where we find, in the book of Leviticus, is where we find all these verses about being holy. What does it tell you about the book of Leviticus? It tells you it's a book on the holiness of God and how we can be holy. That's very, very important in this book because the second verse in the book of Leviticus starts off, if any man bring an offering, bring a sacrifice unto the Lord. The truth is, sin causes death. And redemption from our sin causes the death of another. You know, my, my, um, my, my, my Jewish Hebrew teacher told me, uh, she said, uh, well, we, 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 we Jews don't study the book of Leviticus. I said, why not? <laughs> because we Jews don't have a high priest anymore. And we don't have a temple. And we don't have sacrifices, so we don't read it anymore. I've lost it. That solves the problem, doesn't it? No, not really. I mean, just because you do this doesn't take away the truth and reality of it. The great high priest, he's come. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. Our bodies are the temple. We, we, we remember, continue to remember the sacrifices, uh, the, the great sacrifice that he made. We're going to do that in this service later on. We're going to go in our minds, in our bodies, back to Calvary and remember the cross where the great sacrifice is made. That's our fulfillment of the book of Leviticus. But the book of Leviticus is extremely important because it tells us we've sinned. And it tells us sin demands a price. Sin demands a penalty. Sin demands death. And it tells us, God says, if you get in my program, if you let me take you along, if you obey me, I have a program. And I will, look at it, verse 22, uh, sorry, chapter 22, verse 32, Leviticus 22 and verse 32. Neither shall you profane my holy name, but I will be hallowed among the children of Israel. I am the Lord which hallow you. I am the Lord which makes you holy. I am the Lord that can take your sinfulness and substitute it and give you righteousness and give you holiness. How does it do that? That's what the book of Leviticus is teaching. 
through sacrifice, through what's the key verse in Leviticus 17.11? It's about the blood. It's the key. It's about the blood. That's right. He says, he says, the blood, I've given you the blood on the altar, for without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. That's the truth of Leviticus. He says, you know, and he says, I am the Lord, retaliate you. God, God says, leave it to me to make you holy and obey me and follow me. I'll make you holy. God says, I did it all. God says, I became a man, a perfect man, the perfect sacrifice. Everything that was demanded in the book of Leviticus, God said, I became for you, and I paid that price for you, and now God just offers this gift. All we have to do is receive the free gift. That's our part. Just receive the full gift of his death for us on the cross, believe that he died for us, and follow him. That's it. That's it. Now, the rabbis made up many prayers for the ritual, for, for rituals, Jewish uh, uh, rituals, holidays, and so forth, like lighting candles. And since I was a little kid, I heard these prayers, and, and they became ingrained in my mind. For, so over 50 years ago, I'm sorry that they became ingrained in my mind. You know why? Because they all start off, most of them start off like this. You sing them, Baruch Atadonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam. And then it says... Asher Kidshanu, B'mitzvotov, and then it goes on. And what it means there when it says, Asher Kidshanu, B'mitzvotov, it means that that made us holy. Now that's okay. From Leviticus, it's the next word. That's the error. That's the deception that's wrong. B'mitzvotov, by good works. That made us holy by good works. That's not in this book. Making us holy by good works. That's a curveball. That's a deception. Lots, you know how deceptions go? Lots of truth, lots of truth, lots of truth, then the curve. Asher Kiddushanu, that made us holy, lots of truth, just like the verse we just read, then the curve, by mitzvah tov, by good works. That's wrong. It's wrong. I'm sorry it was ingrained in me. Because God doesn't make anyone holy by their good works. That puts, that's the religions of the world. All the religions of the world say that. Make us holy by good works. All the religions of the world can be summed up in one word. Do. You must do. There's 613 laws and maybe more. We'll keep adding. Do, 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 do. Do this. Do this. Do this. Do this. For Luther, climb up these uh, stairs uh, in Rome, in, do 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 do, and when you when you and keep doing because you, you never you never have doing enough, so do. That's the religions of the world. What is the what is the religion of the Bible? Done, done. Tom, today you said that your Hebrew teacher told you that the Book of Leviticus is not emphasized today because of the Jewish people, and that they say that they do not have a high priest or temple and that they cannot offer sacrifice. I have to admit, this is the first time I've ever heard of it, and I, I wasn't aware of it. So have you heard this from other sources? Yes, I have. 
And I was surprised the first time I heard it as well, because after I became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, every book of the Bible became just alive, and especially the book of Leviticus, because it's the book of sacrifice. And I understand very clearly that what they were saying, that, that uh, well, yeah, it makes sense, because if you feel that you have to offer sacrifices in order to comply with God, and that there's no temple to offer the sacrifice in, then what do you do? Well, so... I have heard it before, but you know, it really emphasizes something here. Clearly, God's way of dealing with the sin of man is to cover it, to cover it with a blood sacrifice. And that was the whole teaching throughout the book of Leviticus. In fact, there's that great verse at the center of the book of Leviticus, in Leviticus 17.11, that says, that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. He said, I've given you the blood on the altar. It's the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. So he explains there, right in the middle of the book, why all these sacrifices? Because as the blood goes out of the victim, the blood then speaks to God, just like when right after Cain had killed Abel, God told Cain, I hear the voice of your brother's blood speaking. And so when the sacrifice was made, then the blood that was shed speaks that there was a life that was given up because the life was in the blood. And when we come over to the New Testament and read about the the death of the Messiah, that was a great, great emphasis was the blood. It was all about the blood, just like the Pesach, the Passover. It was the blood. When I see the blood, he told Moses, Moses told the Jewish people, I will pass over you. And just the night before he was betrayed and, 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 uh, and uh, when he was um, at the Last Supper, he took that cup of wine And he said, this is my blood, meaning this is symbolic of my blood, which is shed for you. It was all about the blood. And so it's very, very important to to see that, yes, God requires a blood sacrifice, but the answer is not to ignore the book of Leviticus. The answer is to see that God gave the final blood sacrifice when the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, died. And you cannot understand the book of Leviticus without the book of Hebrews. And you cannot understand the book of Hebrews without the book of Leviticus. And in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 4, verse 15, it says, For we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. That means we have a high priest which can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities because he was tempted like we are, yet he didn't sin. So we have a high priest and we have the, him as the sacrifice because it says in Hebrews 1.3 that he was the brightness of the glory of God. He was the express image of his person. He upholds all things by the word of his power. And then he said, when he had by himself purged our sins, taken our sins away, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Why did he sit down? He sat down because the work was finished. Why did he sit down? There was no seat 
in the tabernacle. The priests that worked in the tabernacle were never allowed to sit down. There was no seat in the tabernacle. There was no seat in the temple. Because when you went into the tabernacle, when you went into the temple, there was a constant reminder that the sacrifice has not been made. The ultimate sacrifice has not been made. So we offer millions upon millions upon millions of turtle doves, of lambs, of goats, of sheep, of sacrifices as the ashes pile up higher and higher and higher and the carcasses and there's more and more and more and more and blood, blood, blood. All of that is speaking and speaking and speaking. There's got to come an end to this. There's got to be the ultimate sacrifice coming and it did. And so when it says in Hebrews that he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, and in Hebrews ten twelve it says, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Why is there no temple? There's no temple needed. Why are there no sacrifices? The last sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice was made of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why are there no more high priest? He is the great high priest. It's finished now. And so now we look at him as the consummate fulfillment of it all. And so therefore, it's the the proper thing to do is to study especially the book of Leviticus, realizing that the Lord Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice who fulfilled Leviticus. Tom, it was also interesting what you brought up about the Hebrew word, which is commonly used in prayers, called bamitzvatav. I've never heard that before. I thought of a lot of religions, though, that have a lot of good works and the way that they practice good works, and that's attaining their salvation. And I've also heard people say that ignoring good works is to open the door and and to live like the devil. What is the proper place for good works? Well, good works are very important because good works are about God. God does good works, and God gives us good works to do in order that we could be like him. He's our father. We're his children. We should do good works. But what about this issue of bar mitzvah tov? Well, the issue here is, what are we doing these good works for? Are we doing these bamitzvatavs? Are we doing these good works in order to bring about our forgiveness? Are we doing it to deserve heaven? Are we doing it to gain God's favor? Are we doing it to tip a balance? That's all wrong. And we should never do that. That's extremely offensive to God. When we've sinned, the sin is horrible enough that the ultimate sacrifice of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the shedding of his blood is necessary to take care of that sin. But, but we should... We should have life of good works because in Ephesians 2.10 in the New Testament, it says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. What's it saying? It's saying we're created in Christ Jesus unto mitzvah tov, unto good works, and God wants us to walk in them. But the issue here is how come before we had before we knew the lord jesus christ as our savior as our god that we didn't do good works and now all of a sudden we should do good works well the issue is when we receive the lord jesus christ then his spirit his holy spirit his spirit that enables these mitzvotovs his spirit that wants to wants to bring out god's mitzvotovs it says in philippians 2:13 for it is god which worketh in you 
both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Who is that God? Which person of the Godhead is that that's working in us? That's God, the Holy Spirit, working in us. What does he do? He makes us will something that we didn't want to do before, which is what? To do good works. What are the good works? It's called to do of his good pleasure. It's what God wants. God wants good works, but never God God never wants good works that we should say, look, God, I'll give you all these good works in exchange for all the sins that I committed. Deal? He hates that. No, but when we come to him, fall on his mercy, have our sins forgiven, then he said, all right, now it's time to build in you a life of good works. Here's my Holy Spirit inside of you. He's going to start to work in you. You're going to read my word, the Bible, and all of a sudden, there's going to be some transformations which are going to take place that there's no longer going to be a burden and a duty. It's going to be, I want to do the will of God, which is good works. Thank you for joining us today. Join us again tomorrow as Tom Cantor continues our study from Genesis. Now, do you have a Jewish friend or know of a Jewish person that needs to be reached with the gospel? Would you like to give them a gospel gift or have one sent to them? You can contact us directly by phone, and we can help you do that. Call us today at 1-800-247-3051, and we can help you to fulfill God's command to go to His lost nation of Jewish people first. Call us at 1-800-247-3051. Many of us know Jewish people, whether it's a lawyer or doctor or business friend or friend or neighbor or even a Jewish family member that we want to reach. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051. You can also call us and get a copy of today's broadcast. Or today's message and previous messages are available for free listening and free download from our websites at friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org and there you can learn more about Tom Cantor and study more about the friendship of God through the Lord Jesus Christ now we'd like to hear from you as well so call us at 1-800-247-3051 you can also contact Tom Cantor by sending an email to tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org join us again tomorrow at this same time